and welcome to Well With My Soul, the podcast about spiritual and emotional health from Seven Vineyard. Uh, my name is Bern and I have a panel today of beautiful people who are assembled to talk about emotionally healthy church. What on earth is that? What does it mean? I'm going to ask you all to just introduce yourselves and tell me, tell us all something that gets you stressed about church. Hi, I'm Dan and I'm on staff at Seven Vineyard. Uh, I oversee community groups, but I also have another hat, which is running a local charity called Bridges for Communities. And uh, something that stresses me about church is probably just the practicalities and logistics as a family. Um, If we're talking about Sundays, then it's just getting everybody there. My son often has a football match on Sunday that we have to juggle. Uh, My two girls are in the youth so yeah, I think just working all of that out can be quite a uh, quite a challenge. Hello, my name's Anna, and I'm a physio in my weekday job. I would love to tell you that my main stress about church is working out whether I'm going to arrive on time because that is a thing with me that I can be late. Uh, once I get there, there's also a query about whether I'll have anyone to sit with. I'm Helen. I'm a play therapist. I'm similar to Anna on what stresses me out is um, getting there on time in the morning. But now, since we've been in lockdown, I think the biggest stress for me is going to be whether I turn up in my pyjamas or not, because I'm so used to turning up on a Sunday morning in my pyjamas. So if I do and I'm there, will someone just tell me I have got my pyjamas on? (laughs) So anyone else want to volunteer for that duty? (laughs) You're all so nice. My name's Owen. Um, I'm uh, one of the lead pastors of Seven Vineyard. And so by definition, everything about church stresses me out because uh, that's part of my job. Um, I, but I, I, I'm also a physiotherapist uh, during the week as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I find myself juggling a couple of things. But if I'm talking about like Sunday services, the probably the biggest stress is whether we've run out of jam donuts because uh, we have custard donuts and jam donuts i'm not a big lover of custard donuts and usually it's custard donuts that are left over so if there's not a jam one i'm usually upset uh, now i now i'm feeling you i think just uh, that that has hashtag first world not just first world problem about yeah. it like that, but <laughs> like first world post church problem i don't know if we can make that <laughs> yeah. a thing uh and my name is burn i'm the seven sort of digital producer of stuff and i get uh, stressed when I see people at church that I that I know I've known for like at least six months, and they know me and they remember my name, but I I've forgotten their name, and it just gets harder and harder. You can put it off, but it get, it, it, every week you leave it, it gets harder and harder to ask what their name is. So it's impossible. And the thing I've really loved about online church is that everyone comes in a little box with their name on. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> And I'm hoping. I'm just wondering if we could just like kind of carry that on somehow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can we can we get, make, get people to to put like carry little boxes with them that flash on like flash yellow when they're talking? <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? That would be good. And, and occasionally mute themselves. That yeah. Would be good. Yeah. <laughs> I think That's... you've been in lockdown far too long, Burn. We need to get you out. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so we've all been watching or listening to a talk Owen did, and it was our podcast last week, part one of a series called Emotionally Healthy Church. And the subject was uh, Stop Before You Hit the Bottom, about the link between our spiritual health and emotional health, what these actually are, 
this challenge to, to grow and keep growing both of them together. And I really felt the challenge in that, uh, especially this, this challenge of, have I been transformed by Jesus? How has he made me more emotionally mature? Now, I think that is a massive question. And, and it could sort of hang over me like a cloud. But uh, I'd say for me, the main thing has probably been growing my awareness of the stuff that God can pour into my life to help me get over difficult things. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and, and, and all this good stuff. Learning to sort of ask for that and expect that to be given abundantly uh, has made a massive difference to doing practical things like being a dad. I think I wouldn't have felt able to cope even without the the ability to uh, to believe and ask and receive, uh, say, patience, knowing that if I'm feeling like I'm out of patience, it's not someone else's fault, and it's not it, it's kind of me. But but uh, but I can also sort of order some more in. And sometimes it comes quick, like Deliveroo. And sometimes uh, I, I just have to recognize that it takes time to grow, like the thing that Jesus was actually talking about, fruit. And, uh, and I'm just glad that there's some there. Has it, what have you found, though? How would you say you've become more emotionally mature following Jesus? I feel like Jesus has provided and does provide for me a place to bring my difficulties and frustrations and I think because you know every day there'll be something that falls into those categories it's not the kind of thing that necessarily I need a human to talk to about but just by having a daily opportunity throughout each day to stay connected to him and to have a safe place to be honest about how I'm doing has transformed my life compared to before I knew him? I, I think, uh, you know, because I grew up in a Christian home and in the kind of environment and culture where um, growing in your face kind of meant having a longer quiet time each day. That was kind of what I grew up thinking is you just get more disciplined with prayer and that kind of thing. And actually it didn't really touch on emotional and relational health. I would, you know, I think more recently and through the emotionally focused content, actually Jesus has been transforming my emotional health by putting his finger on things that maybe I'd learned to manage and control quite well. Uh, so not losing my temper or doing anything disastrous, I, I think I saw as a positive and reflect something of God. But what I've realized and Jesus has been transforming in me is that actually often the emotions were there. They were just kind of bottled up inside. They weren't expressed. I wasn't able to maturely present those to others. And there was fear behind that. And uh, yeah, so I think for me, it's quite a recent transformation to be able to say what I'm thinking about things, to risk conflict, to risk relationship or perceived relationship. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Can I just dig into that? idea of spiritual health versus emotional health like there seem to be two different things has anyone else sort of experienced that mismatch between appearing to be spiritually healthy but not having emotional health yeah absolutely i i mean i think for me as a church leader people project onto you what they think you should be like that you should be the highest form of christian you should be the most 
holy kind of Christian. And um, I know full well that I'm not. So I think for me, I've been acutely aware of, you know, ever since I've been employed by a church, that actually um, there is a mismatch between my spiritual and emotional health. Oh, and I just, I wanted to say that when you said in your talk that our spiritual health can never outpace our emotional health, I did have a defensive reaction to that, or at least a question. For some people, they hear us talking a lot now about emotional health, about our emotions, and it may feel, you know, maybe particularly for guys, because we don't talk about this stuff enough, um, like we've gone kind of all warm and fuzzy. And But actually, as you talked about it, as you gave the example of the Pharisees and Jesus confronting them, and even things like the greatest commandment, that we can't separate loving God and loving our neighbor. Like, yeah. When we talk about emotional health, I think we're talking about what plays out in our lives, in our relationships. And we can't have our spiritual health in a cocoon or in a monastery somewhere. Actually, the way it plays out and becomes real is in our relationships. Um, so, yeah, it took a little bit of work for me to kind of get there and, and agree and say, yes, it can't outpace our emotional health. But it wasn't an immediately obvious uh, connection for me. Yeah, I, and I, I can really see that, you know, I've been around Christians for like 30 years and, um, and there's, there's always been this sense of pushback um, against it. And I, I would include myself in that. Like I've pushed back against it as well. But I think that that actually is one of the, for me, one of the, the most profound reasons why I'm pushing into this is because I recognize that as, a, as someone who calls himself a Christian, there has been this mismatch between emotional and spiritual health. But I don't just think it's a personal thing to me. I see it throughout the whole church because for many people, being a Christian is about being good. It's about assuming a higher moral sense of behavior. But if you try and do that without dealing with the stuff that's going on underneath the surface, uh, one, you're going to end up a hypocrite um, and, and appearing like a hypocrite um, because you are effectively living a dual dual life. You know, you're be being a different person on the inside to what you are being on the outside. Um, but also, I, you, I think you end up kind of just tearing yourself apart because we can't cope with that tension. Um, and I think a lot of people end up uh, kind of either putting their faith to one side because of that or they end up having some sort of emotional crisis. And so it's... Um, yeah, it's a challenge. And, and and certainly with this talk that we've just listened to, what my encouragement is, is to say, look, Christians, you guys have, you, we, we as Christians have, have kind of inherited a system whereby we've been taught that spiritual is different from the emotional. Let's not pay attention to the emotional, but let's pay attention to the spiritual. This is a problem and we need to deal with it. And we need to deal with it before we crash. Um, it's interesting. I was chatting to a guy who's uh, involved in Alcoholics Anonymous group the other day, and he was saying to me that the AA model is that you have to crash before you understand and your need of recovery. Uh, and I understand that, but I'm not entirely sure that we have to wait for everyone to crash before we start addressing emotional health. Like, does, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, uh, I, say, I recognize that people can get into this bad state. Um, I've got I've certainly got examples in my family of people who've been completely put off the whole idea of God and the whole idea even of a loving God because they find it hard to imagine uh, that God could be loving in a very real way uh, because of their family background and because of religiosity uh, in in their family background that kind of um, they, they they were brought up by a guy who would be all nice on the surface at church 
and 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 flash some money around and stick it in the collection plate and everyone would think you know pillar of society great great bloke and when he got home he was an angry horrible guy um that they still loved because because he was their dad he wasn't there when i was growing up but but i've just heard so many stories about how horrible it was and how all those people in that situation didn't want anything to do with church and anything to do with god after that but the younger ones who had like me who had a different upbringing um we've warmed to the possibility that god might be really good and it just strikes me as really heartbreaking how how uh, it's not just leaders and the kind of people that Jesus pointed out, like the Pharisees, that, that can have this difference. It can be all of us. It can be me as well. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I recognise it. What This idea of wanting to have a surface appearance, but under the surface, there's this, this, this kind of this iceberg, this other, other things going on. I mean, who else relates to that? I was just going to say, Ben, I really relate to that. I think um, I joked at the beginning about turning up in my pyjamas to church on a Sunday, but there is sometimes a sense that we turn up to church in in something, something, and we're all super nice to each other and all super lovely um, and, no, and, and not necessarily what's really going on in our world. So where you talk about an iceberg, you know, we've got that, and Owen talked about it in his talk, that kind of 10% that we're showing to to everybody on church and we're all happy and smiley. But deep down, deep down, often we're not really showing what's what's going on in our in our worlds. And yeah. I can definitely relate to that Sunday, Sunday shine, perhaps we could call it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as the years have gone on, maybe the last decade, I've had a catchphrase which just comes to mind so often. And the catchphrase is, it's a relief to be real. And I have had to actively seek out people with whom I feel safe to be real with. I suppose over time I've acknowledged my need to have other people around me as I look down into the iceberg and see what's going on. And it has been such a relief to be part of, for example, a prayer triplet, or two and have close groups of friends where we are talking about our emotional well-being and just seeing how that influences the other areas as well as we talked about the physical and spiritual and um, it's been great to do some of that with friends it's such a relief when it's possible to be real and to realize that everyone's in the same boat we look at other people and compare ourselves and think everyone else has their spirituality sorted i don't know why because they don't we're all the same we all have the same niggles the same weaknesses the same challenges and the sooner we're real about it the better and we can get through this together mm. really good point anna i think of being real and we we all think everyone isn't it that you look around and everybody's super spiritual and they you know they they, they can they can do it all they can pray and but i I can't. So I think that's a really good point. And when we talk about it and share it, and share it, we realise that we're not on our own. So that's a very good point. I, I can see how on a big Sunday gathering, it seems overwhelming, doesn't it, to look at all these people, you know, who who seem to have it all together and feel overwhelmed by that, and feel that I, I sometimes look at that and feel the end. Really, the, my only way through to that is, is is when someone says, "How are you?" Just say, "I'm fine. How are you?" And maybe that is the best way in some contexts. But have you anyone got a, like an antidote to that? What are some good things that you found to say 
that aren't necessarily oh i'm so glad you asked uh let me tell you how it's been half an hour and tell you about everything that's been troubling me uh what, what, is there like a middle ground there what that's honest yeah i like to try and say something that's going well but i will intentionally also say something i'm finding difficult because i think oh. that's right that you know everyone has things they're finding difficult not to overwhelm someone or to do it inappropriately but there are ups and downs every week and I do try to say what the downs have been or at least allude to them in case someone wants to share with me or that's how you get to know people better and the deeper relationship we have the easier it is to come close to God I think what an amazing tip I actually love that go and nick that Whatever. Uh, can I also include asking what people's names are when I've forgotten as part of yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know you say that and we laugh about it Bern isn't it but you know we ha- if we've forgotten someone's name we're we're all going oh we're all I, I can be really again relate but can we just say I've forgotten your name mm. you know but we don't and because we gay I don't know why we don't but we don't I don't well, the reason I don't is it makes me look uncaring and it makes me think that maybe I am uncaring. <laughs> and Because we remember people's names in situations where it really, really matters, like it could save our life. That's that's, that's the science says. <laughs> and, uh, and and where we're, in, where we're not in situations where it seems it's like a, an extra bit of information, it's much harder to remember. So maybe I just need to feel in peril and... and and to see you all as lifesavers a bit more <laughs> i don't know but yeah, maybe it does come down to vulnerability like like if i if i'm cruising through church not being vulnerable then then actually it's just going to come think about i am constantly putting myself in a situation where it's hard to remember anything because i've got to keep this facade up for a start and for another thing i'm also telling myself i don't really need this person so so i don't need to remember their name and then as much as then i tell myself oh but i want to because I want to be loving. Um, no, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't quite work all the time. Oh my goodness, I've undone myself. Dan, save me. Well, I think that kind of um, anxiety, you know, that you've uh, expressed there around forgetting people's names, that's the opportunity. There's also a, an author called Steve Cuss who has a podcast too called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And he basically says, you know, the, those anxieties are opportunities to discover more about ourselves and then through that more about God. So, um, yeah, but, it, but it's uncomfortable. And I think that's where all of the things Owen listed about uh, what people may have experienced of him was so refreshing because I know that's really uncomfortable to do that. <laughs> and uh, as I listened to it, I thought, gosh, that's, you know, it takes courage to do that. But actually you recognize that, you know, by pushing into that a little bit, we grow in our own awareness, but we also get free. Uh, I'm really struck by this this image of how the stress kind of does turn us into something different. And I love this picture that Owen used from the Narnia stories of uh, of the dragon. Um, does anyone, anyone else get struck by that? I thought it was such a good picture. Uh, the thought of being covered with, um, what was it, scales, and you know initially is it slowly taking it out but then and then having help from Aslan I just thought you know I know for me that over the years I've built up the equivalent of scales ways of coping in situations and ways of showing myself that aren't healthy that underneath 
and I think that goes back to the iceberg, but give me a lot of anxiety and stress that perhaps I then share with with my loved ones more, where I would then let it out. Who else does dragon mode from time to time? That's everybody, Ben. That's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so what does it look like for you? Yeah, I think, I think for me, it, uh, one of the things I've noticed about trying to be more authentic uh, and uh, about who I am with other people is that when I'm trying to peel back the layers myself it's quite satisfying so for instance when I've been reflecting on my relationship with my wife I'm I'm aware I've become aware of the fact that I'm quite impatient with her when she wants to talk to me but when I want to talk to her she's not patient enough with me do you see what I mean and 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 I, I took great satisfaction from kind of oh discovering that about myself now it's much less satisfying it's more painful listening to someone else tell me what I'm like to live with, um, so it's much it's much more painful, and I think I think um, that that's kind of reflected in that image from Narnia. You know, like the Eustace uh, as the dragon himself trying to use his claws, his dragon claws, to get the scales off, and and he gets like quite a few layers off, and um, and I think it is a bit like that, isn't it? Have you ever had um, uh, like a bit of dry skin on your feet? And you want to peel it off and it's really quite satisfying kind of peeling it off because it doesn't hurt <laughs> it's a bit like that well i think this image of aslan uh you know using his lion's claws to strip off um the scales that was much more painful and i think for me it's much more painful when i listen to other people tell me how i show up when i'm with them and the impact that it has on them so yeah. actually yeah that's been quite an interesting image for me working that through because yeah, I do yeah. find it much harder to hear Claire tell me what you know how I show mm. up rather than just discover it for myself. So I think that leads to a really important question of how much, if anything, of this can we fix by ourselves? And I'm going to point to one thing, Owen, that you did um, point to as a th- as a thing that we can do on our own, which is fasting. You quoted Richard Foster and his thoughts about fasting that make that bring up these things from the inside and 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 make them appear on the outside that might be anger or bitterness or jealousy or fear and that's not just the hunger making us that but it's surfacing this idea that it's surfacing things from uh that were already there in me when i'm fasting they they just bubble up does it do people relate to that yeah, I really related to that. And I think, Owen, in the talk, you gave a list of things that we might use to self-medicate, um, things that we might kind of distract ourselves with so we don't notice the pain that we might be in or some of the things that are in the iceberg. And it occurred to me that probably my go-to self kind of feel better thing is food. And then when you talked about fasting, it challenged me to think, actually, I need to build fasting back into my life just so I can actually allow some of these things to surface. So yeah, for me, it was a really profound point specifically about the way that I use food to cover up and keep myself emotionally stable. Mm. So yeah, I really appreciated that idea. And I'm certainly going to be trying it out just the I'll be prepared, but who knows what will rise up if I go without food. Dan, what are you thinking? If I'm honest, Ben, I don't think we can take many of the scales off ourselves. Um, and actually, if I could make a suggestion to C.S. Lewis, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a ridiculous thought, I know, but 
actually in that picture, I'd want to have another person or a community helping um, Eustace take off those scales. Because I think the idea of just withdrawing just me and God, you know, is really important, has a place in silence and solitude. But I think the reality is that a lot of this stuff comes up in relationship and community. And, you know, that's where community is another of the spiritual disciplines that's so important because some of this stuff won't come up until um, another person uh, experiences me in a certain way. The, the way someone, let's say my wife, Karen, experiences me is quite likely different to the way that I think sh she does or the way that I'm coming across. So, you know, in a, a discussion about a difficult issue or decision, I might stay quiet because I think I don't want to kind of raise the tension here. I want to be gracious. I don't know what to say, but actually she might experience that as being really passive aggressive or yeah, not really present to the issue, not really caring about it, et cetera. So my perception of myself is different to your perception of me. And that's why I think a lot of this removing of the scales only happens in relationship and community. So I don't think we can do that much on our own. It's my conclusion. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dan. I hear what you're saying because I think that's the thing that opens up a whole other dimension of of whether or not all this is just personal issues and and stuff that we can work out, even you know, with a bit of spiritual help, or whether it has to be relational issues, and then they might feel vulnerable in a different way. Like I start to think, well, who have I got to process this with, and and how vulnerable I've got to be with them. Can't I just be vulnerable with God? Or, you know, I'd like to be, I'd like to tell God everything, my wife, everything, or 99% of everything, or she's in the next room. Uh, <laughs> everything, uh, <laughs> almost everything. And, uh, and, uh, and, and then everyone else, well, you know, you get the filtered version. Um, but uh, yeah, I get, I, I get what you're saying. Is this, I wonder, a thing we can kind of carry on and uh, next time or another time. I mean, can you just point us towards what else is coming up in the series in the next few talks? Yeah, absolutely, Ben. So we are going to be looking at the stuff that has shaped us and formed us. And um, we're going to start really in probably the most formative part of our lives, which is family. You know, if family is family, the basic unit of society, probably the most important unit. We're going to explore what that looks like and how that influences us. We're going to look at the relationships we have with other people and the responsibilities we have for them, um, but also the limits that we have as well and the sense of self-responsibility that we have. We're also going to be looking at pain and loss, vulnerability and weakness, and uh, and just asking ourselves like how we deal with that stuff and, and, and how that stuff shapes our relationships with other people. So what you can see here is a theme right through this um, this little box set. The theme that probably runs right through it is our relationships with other people. And I think Dan, Dan's point is, is well made that, that actually th this all happens within the context of relationship. It's not navel gazing. This is what it means to relate to other people. It's what it means to be in relationship with people around us. Brilliant. I'm excited. I'm excited for the rest of what we're going to do. It's beautiful. Which is good because after our discussion today, I'm, f I'm feeling a little bit more vulnerable. But we've all been nice and open and honest with each other. And I hope that whoever's listening, uh, I, I hope you feel that this is a nice bunch of people that you could kind of 
listen to and process this along with yourself i hope you i hope you come back and join us next week owen's gonna carry on and chat about family and where we've come from and there's a lot of fruity stuff in that for me i know and uh, and after next week we'll come back and we'll chat together um for uh, and and share what we thought about that um does anyone else have anything they needed to say before we before we wrap up by the way I just wanted to ask how long the whole process is going to take, Owen. You know, when will I be emotionally mature? Yeah, um, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll never get to the end of yourself, Dan. Uh, I think that's right. I think if the iceberg analogy is right, which is a good one, then we're never really going to get right down to the bottom. But every bit of progress downwards is going to bring fruit to our lives and help us get closer to Jesus. So we just got to go for it. Has it helped you to process this sort of stuff together? Yes, yeah. definitely. I'm seeing that. Uh, and and the, oh, there's the podcast I'm seeing. We're doing it on Zoom and there's lots of smiling faces and nodding. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to take that as a yes. How do you uh, think it went, Bern? I, I felt I went a little bit off topic, so I'm sorry if I did. Let's, let's, let's talk about it in a second. Um, I'm just going to wrap, wrap up the actual podcast. Sorry, I uh, thought you finished. No, that's right. You yeah. have to edit that. Start the game. Edit, pause, go. Uh, so I'm going to take that as a, this has all worked beautifully, and I hope it's worked for you listening as well. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.